0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of April 2010, entitled The Unpardonable Sin, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 37. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Let me invite you to open your Bible this evening for our scripture reading to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. While you're turning there, I might say that, uh, of course, if uh, this kind of goes along with this morning's sermon, but it's not part of the series. I think we mentioned this morning that that was something like number 41 in a series, and the last uh, the last five of those have been on the Holy Spirit, and uh, this morning was on the filling of the Holy Spirit, and uh, let me encourage you that. Uh, If you haven't been able to be here and miss those, then they are on the website. If they aren't posted yet, they'll be posted real soon. Uh, But uh, again, this series on Sunday morning is trying to help us to to know, first of all, the importance of defending our faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and what the things are about that faith that are so vital, that are so important, that uh, we must be willing to... Uh, to contend for them. But I guess often when you're speaking of the Holy Spirit, certainly over the years, there is uh, one question that has certainly been given to me on quite a few occasions. That's when speaking of the Holy Spirit, wanting to know what is the unpardonable sin? We often preach so many times, of course, in men coming to God to get forgiveness for their sins, but uh, there is one sin that is unpardonable. There is one sin that you cannot get forgiveness for, and that's what we're going to be looking at this evening, simply the unpardonable sin. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 22 and read down through verse 37. Let me invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word with us, beginning in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Then was brought unto him, of course being Jesus, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him in so much that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? Then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Father, we thank you again for the time that we have together this evening, and we do pray now, Lord, that as we look at this passage and this thought tonight, Lord, that you will help us to be able, Lord, to speak forth the words that you would have spoken under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Father, that it would be simple, it would be understandable, it would be clear. And Lord, that every heart might be able to receive this evening that which they need. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. And Amen. Verse 31 said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Of course, he goes on in the next verse to say, not in this world or the next. It's not forgivable. It's an unpardonable sin. Now, we begin to look at passages like this. Again, naturally, it's going to be impossible to stay clear of some things that would be controversial, and that you can probably find some different ideas if you want to look around. But as we look at this passage this evening, I want us to really try to answer three simple questions. What it is, I mean, here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's just gone to this one, this demonic, and he has healed this man, and of course the Bible says that he was possessed of a devil, and that he was blind, and that he he was dumb, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ touched him and miraculously healed him. And of course, the people were amazed. And the people said, you know, isn't this the son of David? I mean, how is this man Jesus doing that? But of course, the Pharisees, again, those religious know-it-alls of the day, uh, they began to say, no, it was by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, that it was really Satan that was working through him doing this. And this brings about them because... The Lord Jesus Christ said He knew exactly the thoughts that were in their mind. He knew what they were thinking when they were thinking these things, and He gives them this great illustration of a house divided against itself. And, and of course, He goes on to make it very clear, too, there's only two sides to this. If you're not with Him, you're against Him. If you're not gathering into His kingdom, then you're scattering them abroad. There is nowhere in between. It's not something that we can just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to join either side or the other. There's no such place. And it was out of this then that the Lord brings up this thought here in verse 31 of this unpardonable sin, this sin that cannot be forgiven. Now I want us to try to answer three questions about it. First of all, as we look at the Word of God, if we can answer what is the unpardonable sin, what sin is it? that man cannot get forgiveness for in this world or the next. Secondly, as we look at it, at it, I want us to ask ourselves, when is the unpardonable sin committed? When is it committed? You know, what is it that we, if we can describe what it is, when it is in, in an individual's life, or how can that person commit that sin? And then third, why is this sin unforgivable. Why is it so? Well, first of all, as we look and try to decide what is this unpardonable sin, what is it exactly that he's talking about here? And of course, sometimes it helps to narrow things down by we know a few things that it certainly is not. We know that it's not just the normal everyday sins that are common to people, Because it's him that says himself there in verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. So we know in the first instance that it's not just some ordinary daily sin that somebody might commit by accident and not know that it's been done. Secondly, I think that we can certainly underline and underscore from Scripture that it's not a sin that could be committed by a Christian, by someone that has already been born again. Now, a couple of reasons that I would say this. First of all, if you look in your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10, and notice what it says in verse 27 and 28. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they Follow me. These, his sheep, the ones that belong to him, the ones that are, again, Christians already. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And, he says in verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. And notice the next word, just to make sure you don't understand what eternal is. He says, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out. Of my hand. My sheep, I've given them eternal life. They will never perish and nobody will ever take them away from me. Of course, a very uh, familiar passage in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 1, a great promise for Christians says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those that are in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're no longer walking according to the flesh, but they're walking according to that Holy Spirit that lives within. And of course, we saw this morning about how that that Spirit should control our lives. You also find if you look just a few pages more over in your Bible to the book of Philippians, Notice what it says in Philippians chapter 1 and in verse 6. Again, a verse that is a great promise to Christians. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we could look at so many more passages. But I'm saying we have so many scriptures to teach us that there's absolutely nothing that a Christian that has been bought with the blood, that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not possible for him to be able to do something that he could not be forgiven for. And so we know that it's not just the everyday normal sins that people commit. We know that it's not something that a Christian commits. Some people also get it confused sometimes with another sin that we find spoken of in the Bible. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. In 1 John chapter 5, and notice what it says in verse 16 and 17. He says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. The Bible here, if you allow me just not to oversimplify, but there are some sins that literally the Bible says the consequences of would be death. Now we know that in one sense of speaking, that the wages of sin is death, that the consequences of all sin is death. That's not what he's talking about here. The sin into death is a sin that someone commits that brings about a shortening of this life to where that the consequences of our death. Now, I'll give you a, a, a couple of illustrations. First of all, look with me, if you would, into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to read this verse, and then I want to give you an illustration in just a couple of chapters over. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, notice what it says, beginning in verse 11. He says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now I want you to understand before I give you these these. This, this illustration in Scripture of what we're talking about here. You know, the Bible is making it very clear here. This is not talking about works for salvation. He's talking to the church. He's talking to save people here. And he's talking about the works that they are performing in their lives as a Christian. People can waste their Christian lives. People can do good things, but do them for the wrong causes, for the wrong reasons. And he's talking about here that all of those works one day will be shown up for exactly what they are. Those things that are wood, hay, and stubble, they're just going to be burned up. But we said just recently, those things that are those precious stones that will withstand the fire, those are the things that are done for God's glory. Those things you're doing for your pat on the back, those things you're doing for all the wrong motives and ulterior motives, just so other people can think that you're a good person, it's all going to be shown up for what it is. But those things we do, that is for His glory and His glory alone, those things that are accomplished in Him. So what people, what Christians do in their life, all of those things one day will be tried out. But notice with me over into chapter 5, still in 1 Corinthians. Notice in chapter 5, I want to read you verses 3 through 5 here. He says, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, For I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him, That hath so done this deed. Now, this man's committed sin. Matter of fact, he's committed adultery. He goes on and he says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does it say in verse 5? To deliver such an one, who? The one that committed this sin, the Christian that committed this sin, to deliver such an one unto Satan. For the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is possible for a Christian to commit a sin and be unrepentant of that sin. And it be such that God just take will take him on out of this world. This man had committed a sin. He hadn't repented of it. The church hadn't done anything about it. And so he said, okay, we're going to turn him over to Satan that his flesh will be destroyed. In other words, this life is coming to an end, so that his spirit will be saved in the day of the Lord. This man committed a sin unto death as a Christian. Notice with me, if you look still in 1 Corinthians over into chapter 11, and I'm not going to read all these verses, but of course every time that we come around the Lord's table here at Bethel, It is a time of self-examination, and God forbid that we would ever come to that table without taking the time to examine ourselves as to whether we ought to be receiving from that table or not. We find that the Bible is very clear there. He said in verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We should never take take of it before that self-examination has taken place. Notice what he goes on to say. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, because that there are those that have made light of the Lord's table and not taken it in the seriousness that ought to have been taken in, because they haven't repented of the sins that are in their life. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. And notice the last three words, and many sleep. And of course the word sleep there... It's another word for death in the New Testament that is often used because not speaking of soul sleep, but this body has laid down to rest until the day when it will be resurrected once again. And so we find that these are illustrations, not of the unpardonable sin, not of a sin that could be committed by a Christian, though a Christian can commit a sin unto death that will take him out of this world, but he'll still stand before God one day. I think we could look at other places and we could see that, again, I don't believe that it's the sin of an imbecile or an idiot and people could try to come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, you know, people just don't know any better and all these things. I don't think that it's a sin of those that have never heard the gospel, that have never had the opportunity. And you'll understand why as I point you forward here in a minute. I think that the reality is We looked just a few weeks back in the Gospel of John chapter 14 when we were talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit being sent to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there in John chapter 14, verse 26, it said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You see, when the Holy Spirit is dealing with somebody, He'll convict them of their sin. He will teach them. He will show them the right things. So this unpardonable sin, it's not one of these just ordinary, everyday sins, and it's not a sin that a Christian commit, and it's certainly not the the sin unto death that a Christian could be involved in. What is it? Well, He tells us here, Notice what he says again, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now what is blasphemy here? Well, again, he goes on and says, and whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now we know that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is it that something that could be done against the Holy Spirit that could not be committed against the Father or the Son, we know that they're all just as much God. So this sin has got to be something that could be done against the Holy Spirit rather than the Father and the Son, because He says that you can't commit it against them. We find that as we look here, that He told us that these people here were actually Accrediting the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. You see, Jesus was doing these works. This was the work of the Holy Spirit in their midst. And yet, they were accrediting it to Satan himself. Now, John, recording this same instance in John chapter uh, 14, I'm sorry, in in the Gospel of Mark, Mark recording this same event. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, notice what he says. We just read verses 28 to 30. It says, "'Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith whosoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost,' hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. So we find that as we look here, we find that the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is precisely what he says that cannot be forgiven, and this is, is something that can be committed against the Holy Ghost that cannot be committed against the Father and the Son. I believe that the ultimate decision in an individual's life to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit is the only one, which we've seen in recent weeks, the only one that can do that work. Nobody, can get saved when they decide to because they decide that they're suddenly going to be a better person and that they're going to mark their place in heaven. If they're not convicted of their sin, and the Bible teaches us that we're so bad, we're so sinful, we're so depraved in ourselves, in our sinful nature, that without the Holy Spirit doing that work, go read Romans chapter 3. We won't take time this evening. You've heard me read it enough times. That vivid description of an individual in their lost condition. The Bible teaches us that not only would he have absolutely no desires for God whatsoever, but even if he did have a desire, he wouldn't know what way to go to get there anyway. It's God through the Holy Spirit. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We find that it's only the Holy Spirit that can take us and show us our lost condition. Now, If a person fixes their heart in rebellion and this is the work of the Holy Spirit that's being done in their life, and yet they do not believe that that's God. They do not believe that that's God that's showing them that they're lost and they need to be saved. They do not believe that this is God through the Holy Spirit that's doing this work and they just put it off to something else. They're accrediting the work of the Holy Spirit to someone other than God. And, of course, we sang that song earlier, Soften My Heart. What men tend to do then is they tend to harden their hearts. They tend to literally fix their hearts and their minds, deciding that there's nothing to this, deciding that they won't have anything to do with this, when it's God by His graciousness that is dealing in their hearts. What is the unpardonable sin? Well, I'm not going to fight people over it. I know that the Word of God says that it's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. That that was what they were doing here. They were accrediting the work of God to the work of Satan. And I know that it's something that it's not just an everyday ordinary sin because all manner of sin can be forgiven. It's not something that could be committed by a Christian because we know that they can never come into condemnation again. It's not the sin unto death which a Christian can commit to take them out of this world if they don't repent and get right with God. And it's something that can be done against the Holy Spirit. It is precisely in the Godhead, in the Trinity. All of God is involved in our salvation. You can't separate Him and take part of Him away and leave part of Him. But it's the specific work of the Holy Spirit as we've seen in these recent weeks to come and to come into man's heart and to convict him and allow him to see his sin and allow him to see his need for God and to give him clear understanding of God's Word that he can place his faith in God. The Bible says you can look at creation and you have no excuse to stand before God and say, I don't believe there's a God. Even creation should show you that. But we find that the truth is that the only place that you'll find out what you're guilty of as a sinner, who Jesus Christ is, what He did for you to pay for your sins, is the Word of God. God does that work through His Holy Spirit. So I believe that as we look at Scripture I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm saying when I compare all these scriptures together, the only possibility I see that would be that unpardonable sin that could be committed against the Holy Spirit would be in rejecting that. How? And that this just answer this second question. When or how is that sin committed? If it is, if it is this blaspheming the Holy Spirit of accrediting His work to someone besides God. Well, if we look at these Pharisees that he's talking to here, I believe that the first step that we see is what I simply call spiritual resistance. They resisted the power, the pleadings of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual resistance. When you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, when He's working with your life, It will harden the heart. It will eclipse or just sometimes downright blind your vision. They weren't able to discern the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the devil. They didn't know the difference. They didn't know what was God working and what was the devil working. And these were religious brains. They knew all the religious things but they couldn't work out the difference in God's work and the devil's work. We could look at other illustrations. Stephen cited his audience in Acts chapter 7. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 7 and verse, verse 51 in your Bibles. <laughs> he says, "Ye stiff-necked... And uncircumcised, boy, he was really a soft talker there, wasn't he? Ye stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. I believe that's the first step. When the Holy Spirit actually comes and begins to deal in your heart, you resist it. We find that if we look all the way back into the Old Testament, This is a pretty awesome thing to remember in Genesis chapter 6. Notice what it says in verse 3. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also his flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. My spirit shall not always strive with man. You see, you don't even know that you'll be here tomorrow. And how dare you be able to point your finger at God one day and say, you didn't warn me of when He came and He tried to warn you and He tried to show you your lost condition and you just resisted it and didn't want anything to do with it. I believe that's the first step in committing this unpardonable sin is resisting the Holy Spirit when He comes to you. Not only spiritual resistance, but I believe the next step is spiritual rejection. You see, they rejected. They rejected the practice, the proof, the things that were taking place right before them. They rejected all those things. They were fighting against conviction in their own hearts and their own lives. John chapter 3 verse 19, Jesus said, light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their evil ways were reproved by the light. You see, the truth is, a lot of times, it's not a very enjoyable thing when you start looking at your bad side. The Bible says, here, here the light has come to show men their need, to show them the answer. And yet they preferred to just reject it and to stay in the dark so that they didn't see their sin. They'd rather not see it rather than to deal with it. Sometimes we want to put on the blindfold. We want to pull the covers up over our head and just forget it all. The simple truth is there is a danger. If you're here and you're not saved, and I'm not saying this to scare you, I'm saying this is what the Word of God says. There is a danger of committing the unpardonable sin that you could never get forgiven for if when the Holy Spirit comes dealing with you and allowing you to see your sin, that you resist that rather than to respond to it. And if you not only resist it, but then you take it that step further, and you reject it altogether. And then there's a third step, I believe, which I simply call spiritual resentment. You see, came the point that, first of all, when when the Lord was working in their hearts, they resisted, and then they chose to reject it, but the truth is here they began to resent it. <laughs> they didn't even want to admit that God was working in their midst. They wanted to give it all these other ideas. It's, it's this and it's that, but it's not God. In other words, they came to the point to where they resented His even being there. I jotted down that I got from somewhere that resentment is the outward expression of of an inward hate. (laughs) You see, those things come from within our hearts. But resentment is something that we show on the outside. They hated the light. They refused to come to it. It was hatred that drove those nails in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's that kind of resentment. I don't want anything to do with those religious things, those godly things. I want to live my own life and do my own thing. We find that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't exactly pull punches either. You know the, the word pictures that he uses here to describe those that were doing that in his midst? He called them corrupt trees, corrupt fruit, vipers, evil hearts, evil man, we find that these Pharisees, rather than to accept what God was doing in their midst, they resisted it, they rejected it, they resented. Man doesn't want to be shown that he needs God. We find that, I believe that the unpardonable sin, the only sin that I can find and understand anywhere in Scripture that could be committed against the Holy Ghost and not against the Father and the Son, is to be committed against the particular work of the Holy Ghost, which he does, which is to come and to convict men of his sin in this life and to show him his need and to take him to the Father. But yet when he does, man puts it off in all kinds of ideas. He will not accept that it's God, and he'll resist it, he'll reject it, and he'll come to resent it. And I believe that there's very good reason. The third question I want to answer for you very quickly. What is the unpardonable sin? When is that sin committed? We've talked about that. But thirdly, why would this sin be unpardonable? You see, as I tried to search the Scriptures, what's different? Why would this sin be unpardonable when every other sin was? Well, I think it's partially because of the very nature of the sin and the effect that it has upon the person that's, that's committing it. You see, it is the sin, not the person that it's against that makes it unpardonable. I mean, surely a, a sin against God the Father and a, a sin against God the Son it would be just as great as a sin against God the Holy Spirit. If we're committing that sin, we're committing it against God. Why is this one? It's unpardonable because of the character of those that commit it. You see, without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, your condition is unchangeable. There is absolutely no way, no other way that your life could ever be changed, that your sins could be dealt with. And of course, this was; these men were religious men. They were trying all their religious ceremonies and their religious things to appease their conscience. And today, people do all of those things. Folks, you know, there's something that, as a child of God, That's something that, as we look back even in history, one of the things that our forefathers, they've had all kinds of names when it went from the Baptists back to the Anabaptists and all those, God's always had a remnant right from the New Testament. And not because they're more perfect and that they're the only ones and we're not trying to start some kind of a cult. But I'm saying the heritage is many of them, it cost them their lives. Stand on that simple belief, the simple truth of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. It's Him. It's God's grace alone. We find that you can go to many of the churches. And they'll have all these sacraments. And you've got to have this sacrament and this sacrament and this sacrament and this sacrament and this sacrament in order to make it to heaven one day, all they're really doing is completely taking away the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to add man's things to it. You see, it's unpardonable because the Holy Spirit is the only one who is able to convict you and allow you to see your sin. He's the only one that can turn that light on in your heart and take you as a poor, sinful person and carry you to the to the most holy God and creator of the universe. He's the only one that take you to that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who is your only mediator with God the Father. Friend, once He withdraws, there's nothing else for you. When the Holy Spirit is blasphemed and abandoned, that soul is left abandoned. Now, with all of this, with what it takes for, to lead a person to that point, I would close with this thought tonight. First of all, is the Holy Spirit dealing with you tonight? Is there someone here tonight that you know that God has shown you that, yes, you're a sinner? no worse than anybody else on the face of the planet. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we compare ourselves to God, we've all missed the mark. The hard part is admitting it sometimes. Are you here this evening and you've never admitted it, even though that God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, has turned that line on to let you see that, no, you're not. And yet, God wants your sin to be forgiven. He wants it to be taken away because the only thing sin can bring is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not trying to start some religious society. As a matter of fact, I can look you straight in the eyes and say that I'm not even really concerned, not that we wouldn't want you. I'm not really concerned whether you're in this church or another church that's preaching the truth. I don't want you to get saved just so that you can become a a member of Bethel Free Baptist Church. I'm saying this evening I want you to become a Christian. I want you to have your sins forgiven so that you're ready to face God, so that you can have life eternal. God says it's not his will that any should perish. He says that when Jesus Christ hung upon that cross, he was the propitiation. He was everything that was needed to pay for our sins. Not for our sins only as those that are already saved, he says, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, the sacrifice was sufficient. God did it all so that your sins could be forgiven. But the only way that you can know that and be awakened to that is through the Holy Spirit. Have you committed the unpardonable sin? Well, if you're here this evening and you can recognize that you're a sinner, then no, my friend, you haven't committed it. And if you're here this evening and you can recognize that you're a sinner, if there's even an inkling of desire in your heart, To be a Christian, to be a child of God, then no, you haven't committed it. Because if the Holy Spirit withdrawn from you, you come to the point where you don't don't have any feelings towards sin whatsoever. (laughs) You won't have any desire whatsoever towards the things of God or to be right with God. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do those things in your life. Matter of fact, If there's even a fear within you that, oh, could I have done that? Could, Could I have committed that sin? No, you haven't done it. Because you won't be afraid of it if you have. Once your heart is hardened, then you won't have any feelings, any fears or anxiety about where you are or who you are. And I don't say this to frighten you. I say this, you know, it is possible. It is possible when God, by His grace, has taken the time to allow you to see that you've committed sins against a holy God. And The only way God can give you eternal life is to do away with the sin. You can't have death and life in the same body. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This is not some term that we came up with when we talk about those born-again Christians. Jesus is the one that said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. You've got to experience that spiritual birth. You've been born in the flesh, but have you been born in the Spirit? That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have eternity with Him. He wants your sins to be taken care of so that one day you will not stand before God having to face Him with your sins to your account. Jesus said, No, I take all of those to my account. I take all of his sins to my account. I let them nail me to the cross. I will die in his place, in her place. You know, I believe that when Jesus hung upon that cross, he did it for you, the sitting right here tonight. He did it for you. The unpardonable sin can be committed. But if God, by His grace, is allowing you to recognize this evening that you're not a Christian, that you need to be saved. that if you have some desire, and I, I, you know, it's hard for me to understand why, if you have any kind of understanding at all of that, why anybody would want to walk through those doors, back out into a world with an uncertainty of not knowing, number one, how many heartbeats you've got left in this life, number two, whether or not. Whether or not you'll be in a position, just because God's Holy Spirit is dealing with you now, it doesn't mean that He'll always be there. My spirit shall not always strive with men. He's not going to keep on and on. Maybe, maybe you've taken part of that steps already. Maybe you've resisted. Maybe you've rejected. My friends, don't come to resent the fact that God's working in your life. Don't come to resent the fact that He's doing everything He can to give you life eternal, to be with Him forever and ever. Every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to sing for our closing hymn is Room at the Cross for You. I know there's room at the cross for you this evening. Friend, I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I'm not trying to, as I've already said, I'm not trying to get you into our church. I'm trying to be honest with you. If you haven't resolved your spiritual life, then you need to, and you ought to. By God's grace, you're here this evening. If God has allowed you to see and to recognize in your life that your sin hasn't been dealt with. No one looking around, please. Young people as well. Nobody to be embarrassed. When you hear this evening and you say this, God has shown me that my sin has never been dealt with, I would appreciate you praying for me. Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? nobody looking, I'm not going to come back and embarrass anyone, if you're concerned about your eternity, if you're concerned enough to say, I may not have all the answers, but I really would appreciate your prayers this evening, would you slip your hand up, God bless His hand, anyone else, anyone else anywhere, God bless His hand, God sees your hands, you know. God doesn't want you to be confused and God certainly does not want you to have to live this life with the uncertainties of whether you're ready to face Him or not. And you know there's nobody else in all the world nobody that knows your spiritual condition except you. But this evening if you're willing if you are thank God that you're able to still recognize that. But the question is, are you willing to do anything about it? Are you willing to bring it to Him and trust Him? Swallow your pride. Are you willing to come and say, yes, God, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I believe that that forgiveness can be granted to me. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. When they put him in the grave, three days later, he arose, showing that he was victorious. He had defeated death. He paid for your sins. and That payment was accepted by the Father. This evening, nobody in the world can act on it but you. Friend, I want nothing for you, except for you to have the peace in your heart that you're ready to face your creator with your life. Father, you know the hearts of each individual here this evening. And Lord, it's not our duties. We realize that, Lord, if we were to try to coerce or play on people's emotions and get people to say some little prayer because we wanted them to, Lord, it's not going to accomplish anything anyway. We pray that this Holy Spirit that we have talked about this evening the possibility of committing an unforgivable sin against Him. And Father, as far as I can tell from Scriptures, the only sin that could be committed against Him, Lord, that could be unforgivable, that's not able to be committed against the Father and the Son, would be to resist him, to reject him, to resent him. Lord, and he is there to do that work in that heart that that person might be regenerated and given life anew. Lord, you've seen the hands that were raised, and I can only bring them before you because I can do nothing to save them myself. Lord, whether it's a need for salvation or a need for assurance, Lord, again, I have no way of seeing inside of anyone's heart. But I believe, Lord, that you promise us clearly that if that person will seek you with all their heart, they will find you. I pray this evening that they would not resist and put this thing aside, that they would face it head on, that they would deal with it. Lord, that whatever the need is in their life, that it could be met through you. In Christ's name, amen. Mm-hmm.